The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, November 1st, 2021. The woman in your life she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and my co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Wow, November 1st. I have two special guests with me today. I can't believe it. Sitting across from me, joining me in the studio, is one of my dear friends, Shakina Black, who's the Executive Director for the Peace and Justice Center here in Sonoma County. And we will be talking about their Peace and Justice Annual Awards presentation that is happening on Saturday, November 13th via Zoom. We will also be talking about uh, an event along with letting folks know about the annual Winter Blast that's happening this Saturday, November 6th, in downtown uh, Santa Rosa in Railroad Square. You know, this is an annual event that's been happening. I just love this event, the Winter Blast. All I can see is my mind is all these couches running around the street and all decorated up, and, and we're going to be talking about that, and I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, also joining me on the phone will be Adriana Jones, who is a board member of the Peace and Justice Center, and she is also uh, the recipient of the Russ and Mary. Mary Jorgensen Courage of Commitment Award, and we'll be talking about the reward and a special program provided by Boards and Commission Leadership Institute, BCLI, which is a six-month training program, and uh, uh, it's, uh, it's for for people who are serving on local and regional boards and commission, and it provides uh, school tools, skills, and support to help emerging leaders from low-income and uh, underrepresented communities. And and we're going to do an overview on that. In fact, I had the opportunity actually to uh, to read up on this very important program, and I am just amazed at what what the training that's going on. And you know, things have changed. You know, when you really start recognizing that. People on boards and commissions are now training, are starting to learn how to speak out, how to be one with the community, how to serve the community, you know, because it's very important. You know, we elect these people or we appoint these people to serve us and to take care of us and to satisfy our needs. Well, I have two announcements to make. Uh, the first announcement is today's November 1st, and what I found out, kind of a last-minute thing, so I really am not 100% sure of what's going on in our community, but the Women's March is calling for a nationwide action this coming Monday, which is today, November 1st, at all our local courthouses as the Supreme Court meets to rule on the Texas abortion ban. I can't believe it. You know, I was one of these women that walked for abortion. And why did I walk for abortion? Because I had an aunt that almost died because of a backdoor abortion. So this is this is more serious, ladies, than we really recognize. You know, and to publicize this uh, issue, they're going to be uh, standing in different locations. But I could not find the locations. But I did find one, and that's going to be uh, on uh, – this, 
this afternoon at 12 o'clock. If you can, come to the corner of Highway 12 and 116 in Sebastopol at noon today. And they're going to be standing for one hour. And you can come for shorter for shorter times. And I realize it's raining now. So I don't know how that's going to be. But they're suggesting that you uh, that you wear green. And, and that's all that I know. But one thing that should be happening, one thing that should be happening, every woman out there needs to write their congressman and their senators and tell them this is ridiculous. You know, the Constitution says that we have a right to our bodies to make a choice over our own bodies. You know, I say this over and over and over again. I am not for abortion. I am not against abortion. I am for choice. When that woman goes to her doctor and has it has to make that kind of decision, it is none of your business. It is none of my business. We have a right to choose. And you know, ladies, we have been struggling too much and too long that we can't stand up and say, listen, we are equal citizens and we have a right to our bodies and to make that decision. And if the men can't allow that, then they have to start making decisions to prevent pregnancies. So let's just stop. Let's just grow up. So let's say a reminder today at Highway 12 at 116 at noon, there is going to be a protest. Well, that's a lot to think about, you know, and, and that's what women state. That's what women should be doing. We have to be thinking, you know, I'm sitting here not knowing when my great great granddaughter is going to be born. Kaya, this is going to be my second great granddaughter. I want her to come into a world of choice. I want to come into a world where women are looked upon as equal citizens with an equal voice and not have men making decisions for us in our bodies. Well, I want to do a shout-out. I want to do a shout-out to the National Organization for Women, the Sonoma County Chapter. On uh, Friday, October 29th, we had a pr- uh, presentation. It's called From LG to LGBTQI, Sonoma County from 1947 to uh, 2000. The timeline, which uh, premiered at the Sonoma County Pride Celebration in 2018. And the woman that facilitated this was Tina Duggan, who was uh, uh, my claim to fame with Tina is her and I went to Sonoma State together. We were in the, the we were in the first women's studies class class at Sonoma State and it's just it was just amazing experience and I have to say Tina just did a wonderful wonderful job talking about the development of the LGBTQTQI community the development from the beginnings to what is happening today and one of the things that I walked away with was what it takes to make change but the most important is commitment And the second thing is the self-esteem to know that you are okay and that you have a right to equal citizenship. Whether you're a woman, a man, black, white, gay, lesbian, a human being, period, you have a right to all to be protected by the law and to be accepted as a person in a community and as part of the culture. And, you know, we really are all, I've been thinking about this very, very hard lately. You know, we're all related. Who was the first mother? I mean, we, we are all one. We are a family of humanity. And if we don't start acting like that, we're going to destroy ourselves and our planet. 
I mean, I don't understand why it is so difficult. You know, I look at the I, I, Facebook is such is such an opportunity for us to learn about each other. I mean, we have all these little babies coming on. You know, so and so had a baby, so and so had a baby, a black baby, an Asian baby, a white baby. You know, a, a gay couple's babies. They're all babies. They're all precious. They're all gifts from the universe, from the creator. And we have to treat them that way. We have to look at them as a human family. And we have young people. I'm going to talk about this later on in the show. Young people are doing hunger strikes to get adults to wake up and to do something about the climate. Can you imagine hunger strikes? Our young people are going on hunger strikes they're in wheelchairs now because they're so weak. It's been over eight days already. And what are they trying to say? Please, please secure a future for us. Do something. And I hate to say this, but I'll tell you something. Some of the women in Washington, D.C., I am ashamed of. I think they forgot the shoulders that they are standing on. They forgot what women went through to get the vote. They forgot what women went through to be able to have a place at the table. And they're abandoning us. I mean, it is just, it is mind-boggling to me. Well, I don't want to get on a negative rant. You know, I was talking about this wonderful, wonderful program that the Now that the now organization did. And it has been recorded. We only have it for a month. So if you go on www.womenspaces, we are going to upload the link. And if you go to the Now, SonomaCountyNow.org, you'll also find the link. And you can see the whole presentation. And I want you to know it is worth taking an hour out to listen to. If anything, it gave me so much courage to continue to speak out and not to be afraid. Well, there was a disturbing article in the Press Democrat on October 29th that really bothered me, uh, talking about uh, existing of officials because of racial violence, excuse me, racial bias. You know, we all have racial bias, you know, and we might as well live up to it. You know, I went to a training. I consider myself a pretty liberal person, very accepting. You know, I think that, you know, I'm a, all my, I have a friend in this race or a friend in this religion or, you know, I consider myself kind of ectolectic when it comes to friendships. Well, I went to this seminar at the Baptist Church here in Sonoma County, and they were talking about racism, and they wanted to explain and to show people that it, it exists in all of us and that we really need to face it. Well, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, it exists in everybody else, but not Elaine. So the facilitator has us close our eyes. Okay, so we close our eyes, and he says, visualize that you're in a park, uh, like a park, and you're walking, there's nobody there, maybe it's about, it's dusk, you know, kind of late at night, not, not really, not quite dark, but not light, and all of a sudden you see this black man. Well, I had a reaction. All of a sudden I got scared, and I went, wow, this is very interesting. So then I op- we opened our eyes, and everybody talked about it, and I raised my hand, and I said, you know, I'm pretty liberal. And... The second part happened, even during that time, which really showed me exactly where my head was, is that they did the same exercise, but they said, visualize a white guy coming toward you. I had no reaction. Well, I really had to sit back and I had to ask myself, where did they come from? Where did that come from? Why, when I saw the African-American man in my vision, I reacted? But yet, when I saw the Caucasian man, it was nothing. That was my racial bias. 
that was my judgment of when I saw the black man, that meant danger. When I saw the white man, it was okay. I really had to look at that. And it let me know that deep down inside there are conditions and ideas that I have been given while I'm growing up that determine these reactions. And I have to learn even deeper to look at my sisters and brothers and realize that we are all human beings. And also, another thing I think about our county that really demonstrates, that really demonstrates our biases, our racial biases. You know, I saw a, a letter to the editor, I believe it was on Sunday, from a woman by the name of uh, Kathleen Finnegan, and she is uh, asking that we open up the Sandy Lo- uh, Andy Lopez situation, the case again, because of certain things that, that found out. When I think of that case, here's a young 13-year-old Hispanic young boy. The county of Sonoma went to three court circuits, three Ninth Circuit courts, and got a decision that, yes, the officer that killed that young boy used excessive force. Also, the officer himself was not even clear whether that a gun was pointed straight at him or not when he was when the Ninth Circuit asked him. And guess what? The county went and spent an additional several million dollars to go to the Supreme Court. Now I have to ask myself, if that was a black officer that killed a white a white child, do you think that it would have been the same? I don't think so. I think there would have been a lot more effort to bring justice to the shooter. And it didn't happen with the Andy Lopez situation, and that's why they want it opened up. But that's another example of our bias. You know, what people are being killed, why do you think they say black lives matter? Because they want people to pay attention that young people of color are being killed. That's how they're being identified. So so there's a lot to think about. There really is. There's a lot to think about and a lot to get involved with. You know, and I, I hope you don't mind me ranting, but it's been a it's been a really interesting weekend just learning all these different things and watching these clowns in Washington DC how they're you know, they're throwing out environment they, they don't they, they think that it's a privilege if they give some a woman um, maternity leave or a time off to raise her child for a few months. I mean that they're saying that's uh, entitlement. You know, they want to make they don't want people to get spoiled. Well, take their medical care away. Take their their monies away and see how they feel. So it's it's just it's just interesting. So they, as you can see, I have a lot on my mind. Well, you know, every month, every, excuse me, every Monday we do this segment. Our history is our strength. And one of the things when I was uh, when I was had the privilege of being at the women's march last time, and I was passing out all my. Uh, Women's Spaces cards with the Women's Spaces pledge on it. I was asking women all kinds of different questions. And it was very interesting to me. Most young people, because we've had privilege all along, you know, we've been able to do certain things in the last 20, 30 years that maybe when I was growing up was very new and adventuresome. But to them, you know, it's just we take things for granted. So I thought instead of doing individual people for our history is our strength, I thought I would remind us what we've gained over the years and how we have proceeded and will move forward to get certain rights, to get certain things that we could do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take every Monday, we're going to do three different issues that came up before 1970. 
Now, why before 1970? Because it wasn't until 1970 when the se- the second wave of the women's movement happened, and all of a sudden, all these laws start being changed. So let's 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 look at the first one, and we're going to talk. Like I said, our history is our strength, and we're going to talk about the basic rights women did not have until the 1970s. I actually found 40 rights that we gained since that time, and we'll be discussing three for each show, and we'll continue until all 40 have been covered. And you'll be able to see them posted on www.womenspaces.com. So let's start with number 40. And the goal is to demonstrate that we've come a long way, ladies, and if we allow what is happening in this abortion abortion action choice ruling, we are in danger of losing many of these rights. Okay, the first thing, I mean, number 40, a real simple thing. We couldn't get a credit card. You know, all those credit cards you have in your purse today, you go to the Macy's and you just, you know, just say, hey, I want this, you charge it? Uh Uh-uh. We didn't have that. Financially, there were many things that women could not do without their husbands and taking out a credit and under their name was one of them. Legally, listen to this, legally, banks could deny women credit cards until 1974 with the passing of the Equal Credit Opportunity. Okay? The Equal Credit Opportunity. The applications from women who try to take credit cards out under their name receive the stamp of denied up until 1974. Finally got it. We got the boat in 1920. So how many years is that after we finally get a credit card? I remember when I moved up here to Sonoma County and my, my sister moved with me, my sister Evelyn, and all of a sudden <laughs> the woman who was renting us said, do you have a credit card? Well, my sister was one of the first women that I knew that actually had a credit card and was able for us to be able to move into this place. But prior to 1974, uh-uh, no credit cards, no credit. You know, if you didn't have a husband... Forget it. You couldn't have anything. Okay, number 39. Women could not legally get abortion for any reason. For any reason. And it wasn't until 1970 when a college student from Texas known as Jane Roe decided to challenge the law. And that's what's happening today at the Supreme Court. That's why the tomorrow, excuse me, on November 2nd, that's why the Women's March have called for a protest to let the Supreme Court, to let our leaders know that as women, we are against them taking away any of our right to choose. It has nothing to do with abortion. It is choice, C-H-O-I-C-E. And I'll say it again. I'm not for abortion. I'm not against abortion. I am for the woman's right to choose, and it is none of my business what she chooses to do. Real simple to that. Okay, the third thing we're going to cover, number 38, we had no Women's International Day. We had no Women's International Month. We had no Women's History Project or, risk or History Alliance. We had none of those things. In fact, like I remember, I don't know if you remember, but last week I was in shock because I found out that Amelia Earhart was not the first woman that went into the air. That there was actually an African, an African-American woman who was the first woman who went into the air. 
So it's it's very, very, very interesting. By the time the 1970s rolls around, women over the world were tired of being treated like second-class citizens. They started to demand equal treatment across the globe. Okay? Now, what does all this mean? Well, I'm going to make it real simple. Sometimes when I go downtown in Santa Rosa, there's a group of young people. They're adorable to me. They're usually dressed in black. They're all tattooed. And they really have some very, very progressive ideas. Well, guess what? If it wasn't for these laws being passed, you could not tattoo yourself. I had a tattoo, and my mother took me to the doctor. and It was illegal for me to have a tattoo on my body. And my mother had to take me to the doctor and have it removed. So things have changed, but change is very, I think of change like floating on a boat in the ocean. You know how it's rocking back and forth. One, you go forward, then you go backward, then you go forward. But ladies, we can't afford to go backwards. I'll never forget seeing my aunt. She almost died, my favorite Aunt Lillian. She almost died because of a backdoor abortion. And why did she have an abortion? Because she had three children already and her husband had a nervous breakdown. She could not perceive having another child. And then we found this way for her to eliminate it and she almost lost her life. And I'll tell you, when I even think of it now, I can feel the feeling that I had in my throat when I called the emergency room and the nurse says to us on the phone, oh, it sounds like an abortion. If you come down here, we're going to do everything we can to save the baby. Oh, my God, after we went through all this. And, you know, it, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. We make such a big deal about this, but yet we've got kids that are homeless. We have kids that are going to sleep with no food in their stomach. We have inadequate schools. You know, California used to be number one. I think they're number 27 now in education. How shameful. I mean, if we're so gung-ho about saving this fetus, why aren't we gun ho about the children? What about the children across the globe that are dying in wars or from lack of food and lack of medicine? Why aren't they important? Why is the unborn more important than the born? That's the question that I have. Why is the unborn more important than the born? And if you read Roe versus Wade, you can't get, you're not supposed to get an abortion after three months because that's generally speaking when, when, from my understanding, that's when the heartbreak comes, the heartbeat comes. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference when a child is planned and comes forward. Then all of a sudden an accident or out of, I mean, can you imagine they expect a woman to carry a full term and raise a child out of rape? I mean, I mean, this is, it's mind boggling to me. So there's a lot to think about and we have a big, good show going on and there's just a lot to think about. And right now what's going on, the perfect song that I found is a song by Ellen Bookstale. It's called Hey Mr. Politician. And so we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a musical break and, you know, lots to think about. Sit back and listen to this song. Listen to the words. Hey Mr. Politician, get out of my body is what she's saying. And when we return, I'm going to be talking to the Executive Director of the Peace and Justice Center, Sakina Black. And we'll be talking about their up-and-coming annual uh, awards presentation and also just a little bit of tidbit about the winter blast that's going on in downtown Santa Rosa and just talk about things in general. So let's go ahead and play that song, Ken. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, Mr. Politician, don't legislate, my love. You're not walking in my shoes. Don't hide behind your religion. It's my right to marry whom I choose. It's not your place to call me a sinner or decide who to have as my mate. Don't twist the words of the Bible to make laws that discriminate. from state. What an amazing statement. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And for you just joining, you are listening to KBBF 89.1 FM, Calistoga, Santa Rosa. And I want to remind my listeners, the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, and Women's Spaces. Like I said, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And I'm going to do something a little bit different. I have Shakina Black here from the Peace and Justice Center. She's the executive director. And I also have on the telephone with me, are you there, there, Adriana? I am here. Yeah, and I also have Adriana Jones on the phone. And what we're going to do is I'm going to ha- I have one person live in the studio. I have Adriana on, and I'm going to switch back and forth. So, so Adriana, I know this is a little bit different than I told you how we're going to do it. So just pay attention to my questions, and I know it's just going to roll fine. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay, well, first of all, let's let's turn it over to uh, Chikina Black. Chikina, welcome. Welcome to Women's Spaces. And let me let me tell my 
listeners a little bit about you, if that's okay. Uh, Shakina Black is the Executive Director of the Peace and Justice Center of Sonoma County. The nonprofit organization has been serving the community for 37 years as a resource for social justice. Also, she is, in, is enthusiastic about creative art, especially the key roles that music, theater, and dance play in our lives. Additionally, she just started working for a local theater company, the Sixth Street Playhouse in Santa Rosa. And I'll tell you something, she does a great job. And Adriana Jones uh, has been a board member of the Peace and Justice Center of Sonoma County since 2018 with an ignited passion for helping others that has been reflecting in her 30s. And right now she also has a new job at the, uh, I guess, what, what, where are you working right now, Adriana? I'm working for the Sonoma County Housing Authority through the county. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful! What a perfect person uh, to have in that particular in that particular organization. Well, let's start with you, Chikina. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Peace and Justice Center. You know, you've you've made all kinds of adjustments with this pe- with this pandemic going on, and talk a little bit about that, and then talk about how you're doing the November thirteenth. What's going to be happening with your with your Peace and Justice Awards? What what is that all about, and why do you do that every year? Great. Well, thank you for having me, Elaine. It is so good to see you in person after a long, long time. So, as Elaine said, the Peace and Justice Center has been around for 37 years serving this community as a social justice resource center. And so, what question do you want me to start with, Elaine? You want me? Let's start with how you're doing with the pandemic. Oh, the pandemic. Well, we're open, but differently. Uh, before, it used to be a drop-in. Our business hours are 1 to 4, Monday through Friday. Now, people need to call or email to schedule an appointment so that I'm prepared to meet people in person we still are requiring masks uh, when people come to to see us but it's working really well actually it's great to be back we just opened on september 14th after you know 18 months of of being basically closed but you know not open to the public but still still chugging along like a little choo-choo train because you have to keep the work going yes i can Mm. yes i can the little choo-choo train exactly and how was it for you, uh, Ariana, being on the board and with the pandemic and having to meet and all the different uh, different decisions that you had to make? Um, it's definitely been interesting in the pandemic. Um, a lot of problems are coming to light when it comes to domestic violence and um, helping people that are on the streets when they were essentially just kind of closed out at the beginning of the pandemic, left to their own to their own devices while everybody barricaded in and quarantined. So um, it presented some challenges, but also a lot of benefits when it comes to paperwork and submitting that without having to travel and um, having a lot of resources because we've been forced to go virtual. Well, I also want to do a shout out for you that you did a wonderful, wonderful uh, organizing to get warm clothing and socks and all that to the homeless. And I think you did an absolutely wonderful job. I know I announced it and I got several emails from people telling me how wonderful the program is. So I, I just want to thank you for that. Well, you know, let's talk a little bit, Shakina, about the uh, about the event, the uh, annual awards presentation. You know, it's very, very interesting. You have it every year, and I have to say, you know, I interviewed the Sunrise Group 
on the air. And this, when I got home that day, I got an email that I could nominate somebody. And it was just such a thrilling feeling to be able to nominate an activist in the community to be acknowledged. So talk a little bit about the award and what it's all about. And and then I understand that uh, Ariana is one of the recipients. Yes, so we'll listen Adriana to is one of the recipients. Well, usually in pre-pandemic days, we would have our annual awards celebration in person at a venue. And of course, that's we're just not ready. The board and I are not ready to do that in person. So this will be the first time that it's online. And we've had two days of filming. A wonderful videographer has helped us out. One of our recipients is actually overseas. So we are getting her video and we'll incorporate it. And so we have the speeches going on. We have some poetry going on. And we have some fabulous musicians also in the presentation. So we're hoping people will tune in on November 13th. You can go to our website, pjcsoco.org. That's the landing page with all the information on how to register. It's called RSVP for the event. You can make a donation as little as a dollar and as much as a million. We would take that if you had it. (laughs) And anywhere in between, please, to attend. So it's in lieu of buying a ticket to an actual in-person event. That's what this is taking the place of, as well as then we would always have a silent auction, and now we're doing a live auction. I'm not a live auction, excuse me, online auction. Well, you know, all the information on how to get to the auction, how to do all those things will all be on Women's Spaces also as well as on your website, and we'll give all that information at the end. Well, we have several, I'm so excited when I'm looking at 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 the lineup here, the Peace and Justice Activists of the Year, one of my favorite people that I served on the uh, Human Rights Commission, uh, Demetra Smith, and I'm congratulations to her. And then here we go, the Russ and Mary Jorgensen Courage of Commitment Award, which Adriana Jones is being given. Adriana, talk a little bit about that award. What, what did it feel like? Did someone nominate you? How did, how did you get to be, to be a recipient of this? Well, it's a very it's a very interesting award. It's a Courage of Commitment Award, and the Peace and Justice Center decide on somebody who kind of puts others ahead of themselves and does everything to be selfless, like Russ and Mary Jorgensen, who it's, it's uh, modeled after. They really created microclimates for others to grow and heal in. Um, so for this award, I was nominated in secret, and all my board members went behind my back and uh, <laughs> nominated me and decided to award it to me because of all the work that I've been doing this year, like you mentioned, with um, collecting coats and doing everything that I could while I was laid off and um, quarantining. And uh, also because I continue to move forward with trying to figure out my niche of how I can help other people, and it seems to be in bureaucracy. (laughs) So figuring out federal regulations, figuring out how to do paperwork for those in need, um, you know, working around the system and doing things like that. So it's nice that I've, it's all kind of come into play. I went to the Boards and Commissions Leadership Institute and graduated this year um, and started really powering towards my activism and started applying for jobs that aligned with all of that passion that I have. So it's just an honor to be even considered for this award, let alone to receive it. Well, congratulations. I mean, I, I know I was witness to what you were doing with some of the, the different fundraisers, and it was just amazing. I mean, not only not only were you so committed, but you have such a beautiful heart. So I want to really thank you for that. And then I'm noticing, as I'm going down the list, you know, the, one of my favorite people in the whole world, in fact, Ken had, had a, a, a part in helping to name her organization, Green Mary, which was amazing, an unsung hero award, you know, and this is a woman who's 
behind the scenes collecting trash, cleaning stuff. I mean, the th- the work that Mary Minot does. What congratulations, Mary! A big shout out for her. And what's so wonderful about that is that I to know so many of these people personally is amazing. And then of course the youth, the Peace and Justice Activist Award for the Sunrise uh, Sunrise Organization. And later on, we're going to talk. I'm going to talk a little bit about what they're doing in Washington D.C. That they're on a hunger strike. Well, you know, before we get into the winter blast, uh, I want to get back to Adrian a little bit. You know, Adriana, you talked about the uh, BCLI, which is a six-month program of training and preparation for serving on local and regional boards. Tell us, what, what, what was impacting about that for you? Why do you think it's important that people are on boards, that they actually go to training like this? I think it's so important. I guess I didn't even realize how important it was. It was recommended to me by a local woman from the Oakville um, School Board. And it's based in Oakland. And it trains people on not only the history of racial injustice since the end of World War II, but also how to how to hold a seat on a board and, you know, abide by rules like Brown Act and Roberts Rules so that people can really start moving politically to to enforce racial justice and making sure that we're getting laws and everything into play in our communities that help progress the racial justice movement and social justice movement and that we understand the history so that we don't repeat it when it comes to places like Oakland who has been going through racial injustice for many years and they've encountered a lot of displacement of black business and and whatnot as well as in San Francisco when there was the displacement of the internment camps and whatnot so the the information that they provided was just so beneficial and so extensive um, it benefited me a lot. And then I also did crisis training with Verity, and that trained me how on, like, you know, gender and everything that's coming along with that and the LGBTQ plus movement and how to keep people safe of all sexes and, and gender identities and understand people and where they're really coming from so that we learn from people that have knowledge on it as opposed to from social media or from somewhere else that doesn't necessarily have as much research and information from people that are actually experiencing it. Well, it's so interesting because um, I just had uh, about two weeks ago, I had, well, actually last week too, I've been talking about the Family Justice Center and I'm just in here in Sonoma County and I'm just amazed at all the work that they're doing and how they're collaborating and, and bringing different groups together to help women. And when I started reading about the BCLI, uh, group, the six-month training program, I was very, very impressed because I remember way back in the day, uh, board members never got this kind of training. So how did it impact you? I mean, what, 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 what did you walk away with? What was the biggest thing that you walked away with? Um, understanding that my feelings that I've been gaslighted and treated differently because of the color of my skin and my sex, the justification that that wasn't me being crazy, it adds to my the fuel of my fire to make sure that my cousins and everybody else who grows up in Sonoma County doesn't experience those feelings of doubt when they're being treated differently and that they can stand up for their own racial justice. It's that that justification that really changed me and really pointed me in the right direction. That's amazing. You know, I mean, that's so important. You know, I was I was I'm a 
a student of the Holocaust, let's put it that way. I've studied it for years and years. And one of the things that, that people need to be reminded of, why is it important? Why is our history important? Particularly when you look at the Holocaust, because it's one of the, it's, it's filmed history. And in that history, it shows just exactly how low human beings can go. So we have to be in check. We have to be trained. We have to understand these things. We have to have compassion for ourselves. We have to have compassion for others. And all these behaviors, I'm watching... I'm watching my great-granddaughter grow up. All these behaviors are taught. You know, they are taught. And this is just another extension of you being taught about yourself and about others. And so I really, my hat goes off to you for, for doing that. And is there, you know, is there any, any uh, you know, being a board member and also your commitment for being out in the streets and raising all these different, you know, I mean, I, I can't believe even I got the national organization, I think twice we bought socks. And it really was such a good feeling to do that. What, what, what's the one thing that you would like to say to people about, say, the homeless or, or what your experience has been on, in serving this population? I, I just want to remind people that judgments can be a lot easier, especially from behind a screen and while we're in quarantine. And judging somebody for needing basic necessities um, can really prevent you from meeting all the beautiful people that are experiencing social injustice and, and how the system is so broken while we band together and create this big movement towards racial and social justice to get people off the streets and, and end this homeless epidemic. So I just, you know, always, always be kind. The tiniest things can change the world. And it could be socks. It can be that little. It can be handing money without judgment of what that person is going to spend it on because most of the time what people do with their money is their own business. And you can't necessarily mentor people out of poverty. It's a, it's a systemic issue and it's huge and it's a lot bigger than all of us. So the tiniest, kindest acts can make the biggest difference in somebody's day. Well, I thank you so much for saying that. And before we say goodbye to you, because I know you're at work and I don't don't want to take up too much of your time and we're going to get into the winter blast and I have another song that I want to play, but give us a little overview of what you're doing at the, uh, what the Sonoma County Housing Authority is. What What is that organization? What is that program and what are you doing in it? So the Sonoma County Housing Authority is under the Community Development Commission, and we are a sector that works with HUD to get people housing vouchers that are federal aid for housing so that they can have um, they can have 30% of their income going towards rent. It's obviously on a sliding scale depending on how much help you need. But what we do is we run the wait list and we work with nonprofits to, to create emergency housing vouchers for people that are chronically homeless or in a situation where they need to get off of the streets for their own well-being. Um, so what I'm really getting into is digging into the nitty-gritty of federal regulations and how housing help works and then also starting to understand how federal regulations made mistakes in the past where they gave housing vouchers and then it created silos of poverty and then they made it so that housing vouchers could be accepted everywhere but certain landlords still kind of redline people out of that out of certain areas so what we need to focus on is is outreach for landlords so that they understand how the vouchers work and how they're still paid uh we're just aiding people that need affordable housing and how we're going to move forward in this racial justice movement um to make sure that people that are disabled and of color um are taken care of when it comes to federal aid wow 
What a big responsibility. Well, my love, why don't you give us your website, how they can get a hold of you, and, and any other last word that you have. Yeah, so I'm on pjcsoco.org. I do write some articles. I need to write more for our Peace Press, which I highly recommend checking out. Um, I have a mailbox at the Peace and Justice Center, which is at 467 Sebastopol Avenue, kind of by Spinster Sisters back there. If anybody needs any correspondence um, that's snail mail style, feel free to use my mailbox there. Um, if you would like to reach me for any kind of reason, you can also contact the Peace and Justice Center. Um, Shakina does outreach and connects me to anybody that's needed. Um, I'm available for any studies. I'm available to help people with applications when it comes to federal housing. Um, and I do have a lot of resources at my sleeve all the time. So anybody that, that wants to contact me, my info's there. It's through Peace and Justice Center. Um, and I'm on social media, so if anybody wants to follow along with me and check out my resources as they come in live, then, then you can keep track of me there as well. Well, and everything and, um, everything that you've said will be on www.womenspaces.com. And I want to thank you, Adriana Jones, for being on Women's Spaces and for sharing all this wonderful information. And congratulations. Thanks for having me. Congratulations. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. And congratulations <laughs> on being nominated and winning, being a, you know, how, how do you say it? You won it? You, yes, she's the recipient the of recipient. the Courage of Commitment Award. And we can tell why, folks, just listening to Adriana Jones speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't just the board of directors, by the way. There were so many nominations came in from the community for Adriana Jones that we had to make an exception and let her ha- be honored with this award. She is a board member, but she also really walks her talk and deserves the Courage of Commitment Award. Amazing. Well, thank yeah. you, Adriana. Thank you so much. Boy, That that's a wonderful thing to hear. Well. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Well, we're going to take a little musical break now, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to be talking with, uh, continue our conversation with uh, Sakina Black, the executive director of the Peace and Justice Center. We're going to talk about the winter blast that is happening, uh, I guess, this weekend. And I'm going to play a very special song. It's by Holly Nair, and it's called uh, Singing for Our Lives. You know, and when I picked this song, I picked it with the idea in mind about what's happening with these young people in Washington, D.C. that are doing this uh, this uh, fasting for t- so we, the adults, will stand up and do something for climate change. And a very good article was written by one of my favorite reporters, uh, Carrie uh, Benefield of the Press Democrat on October 28th. And there's a woman by the name of Emma Govia. She spent her summer, and I interviewed some of the young people from the uh, Sunrise and, uh, organization. They marched 260 66 miles through wildfire ravaged Northern California to protest what she describes as a deadly, irresponsible inaction on climate change and to demand jobs in a green economy. You know, and it was very taxing for her, you know, and all, all the young people that walked and, and walked their talk. And uh, when I went to their, their gathering, all they were saying is, why aren't we doing something about climate change? I mean, it's just amazing. I don't understand. I hate to put the blame on the Republicans, but there's some Democrats, too. I don't understand why that is not the highest priority we had. So, Jovia and four other activists have not eaten food for more than a week. And they hope their hunger protests will draw attention to what they see as the dismantling of any substantive climate change accident in President Joe Biden's one $3.5 trillion spending agenda. Amazing that these people 
So these people, these young people are putting their lives on the line. Hey, when I went to school, all I thought about was what I was going to wear, not anything about the climate or anything that was happening in our culture. And this is so interesting to me. This is so interesting to me. And it's interesting to me that there is such a push to deny women abortion and choice. And these people call themselves pro-life, and yet they are not supporting these young people who want some action on climate change. I mean, it's such a contradiction that I really don't quite understand it. So let's go ahead and let's play. I'm dedicating this song, Singing for Our Lives, by Holly Near, to the young activists in Washington, D.C., who are putting their life on the line for all of us, particularly for my two great-grandchildren that are coming into this world. You know, we have to start thinking about our children of the future, and we must never lose sight of it, and we must support them. So let's go ahead, Ken, let's play that, and then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with uh, with Shakina. are singing for our lives. Our youth is singing for their lives. And let's get the record straight. I don't want free health care. I want my taxes to pay for health care instead of military industrial complex. I want my taxes to pay to help clean up the environment. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And with me in the studio, which I'm really excited, is my dear friend and executive director of the Peace and Justice Center here in Sonoma County, Shakina Black. And we're going to talk right now about the Winter Blast that's happening this weekend. And I'm so excited. I love when I think about all the 
couches running around in downtown Railroad Square. For the sofa parade, yeah, Elaine. Sofa yes, so parade. people decorate love seat size sofas, and it's called Sofa because it's south of A. It's the district, the arts district. So Sebastopol Avenue, where the Peace and Justice Center is located at 467, we're where the parade route starts. So there will be two parades, one at 6 and one at 8 that are the sofa parades. And at 7 p.m., there will be a Brazilian dancer and drummer parade. No sofas during that. And there will be food trucks and the galleries will be open. In front of the Peace and Justice Center, we have Journey of the Saber, which is a light saber like from Star Wars, that, but it's teaching young people discipline and self-esteem through having that. And the lightsabers will be fabulous because Winter Blast takes place in the evening from 5 to 9.30. So it'll be dark, you know, most of it. So people dress up a little bit and it's really fun. And then there are um, nonprofits doing their beer and wine garden so you can support the local nonprofits, including Peace and Justice Center. And we will have a DJ, DJ Loisida, playing in front of the Peace and Justice Center as well. So we encourage people to come down. It's family friendly. It's free. That's a free event and really lovely and it's outdoors. You know, you can choose to go indoors in the galleries if you want or you can just stay on the streets. Do you, do you know any history of it? I mean, what I think it's the 15th year. I wish that was on this lovely poster. You can go to PJC's website, Peace and Justice Center of Sonoma County, and there is a Winter Blast tab there on the what they call the hamburger in the right-hand corner with the three lines. <laughs> Click on that, and there'll be a tab that'll take you to information about Winter Blast. But I think it's the 15th year. I think so. So it's a long, well-established community event in Santa Rosa. So that's going to be this this? So this Saturday, rain or shine. I think it's not going to rain. I'm so grateful for the rain. I just want to say thank you for the rain. Although I think that it's not going to rain this Saturday. But it, if it does rain, you can wear your umbrellas and put some lights on them and come down and enjoy the festivities. Well, you know, let me just give a little shout out here and let our listeners know it, it's happening November 6th, which is this Saturday, 2021. I can't believe it's November 6th. We're almost 2022 already. It's going to be happening in downtown Santa Rosa. Uh, it's, or what would you consider? That's considered like the art district. That's correct, yes. It's by the, it's on Santa Rosa. It's by Sebastopol Sebast- Avenue and South of A. Well, so. And they will have live music and all that. And how can people find out more information? Is there a website? Well, I'm encouraging people to go to the Peace and Justice Center's website and look up that page. That link is there. And then also, just really quickly, I know we don't have time, but too much time, but I want to make sure we talk about the Community Organization Award recipients for our annual awards event that's happening online on November 13th. The I'm going to say this again. The Community Organization Award is going to Grayton Day Labor Center and Almas. And Christy Lubin, the executive director, came in and was filmed for this presentation. And she brought one of the dynamic Almas women. And so Patty was the woman who spoke in Spanish and Christy was translating in English. So we really, it it was just so moving. Actually, I, I was there for all the filming of these and now there's somebody's editing and I'll have some commentary about how the editing and how the format of the sequences are going. I teared up when the women spoke, when these women received their award, I actually got tears in my eyes because it was so moving. And I really encourage people to check it out on, you know, go to our website. It's right there. The links so you can register for the event are there and also the online auction event. And we're adding more and more auction items every day. And it is going to be through the 16th. So that instead of a silent auction at an event where you've got 
you know, you're, you're there at the event and you've got to bid. People have an opportunity. You don't even have to be in Sonoma County to bid. And Elaine, as a great grandmother to be, I'll let you know, we got donated from the Toy Works in Sebastopol, this over four foot tall plush giraffe. And I got, it got delivered to my arms on Friday. I'd worked all day and, Alice Waco, who's one of our elders in this peace and justice community, brought me. She went and picked it up from the Toy Works in Sebastopol. And I, I just held this giant giraffe that's almost as tall as me. You know, it is so sweet. So people can go and see that and the other auction items on our – go to our website, and then the link is right below the, the flyer about the event. I want to just go back to the Great and Labor Center. Sure. And the fact that it brought you to tears. It brings me to, I mean, it brings me to tears thinking about it because – Oftentimes, these are the people that are the least acknowledged. I mean, they're the ones that the hard workers. I mean, I've had people come from Grayton to clean my house and to take care of things, and they're just absolutely wonderful. And such gratitude, you know, that we're all working together. And I think I think that is just amazing. Well, Shakina Black, just give us one last thing. Give us your website and any last words that you have. We are coming to the end of our segment very quickly. Well, the website is pjcsoco.org. People can put in Peace and Justice Center of Sonoma County in your browser search. You will find us. I just, I'll, I'll echo what Adriana Jones said, is to be kind. You know, when we're out there now, we're coming more in person with people. Just be kind. That's a wonderful way to end the show. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for our show. A special thank you to Shakina Black, Executive Director for the Peace and Justice Center, and to Adriana Jones, who is also who's a member of the board and also a recipient of one of the Russ and Mary Jorgensen Courage of Commitment Award. You've been listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And, you know, I just want to remind you once again, the children are our future, and we must never lose sight of that. And all the information about the Peace and Justice Center's an annual awards uh, event and also about information about Adriana Jones and her, and all her websites and everything will be on Women's Spaces, www.womenspaces.com. And don't forget to go on the now Sonoma.org, and you can hear the wonderful, wonderful presentation by Tina Duggan. Well, this is Elaine B. Holtz, and you've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, November 1st, 2021.